Welcome to the first ever episode of Life in the City podcast. I'm Paul Hudak, and I'm with my one of my mentors and director of, of Justice Free, Eric Vasquez. I work for Justice Free as well. And the reason why we decided to start this podcast is to just pour into youth workers and youth around the city, right? Yeah, we've been dreaming this up for a minute, and now it's finally here. I know for me, when I'm out there uh, working with students, and I've been doing that for a long time, and I hear their stories, yeah. man, they stay with me and they inspire me for the years to come. So this is all about telling story uh, from the field. This is about connecting students who feel alone um, and and allowing them to connect to other students like themselves. This is to help the youth worker uh, understand how to better serve students that they're doing life with, to understand the intricacies of the struggle and suffering that's uh, present in the city. It's to understand the urban young mindset. When we get some of these youth on the panel and, and sitting in on our podcast, like you're gonna get to hear how they think, you know, what their perspectives are. And then I think this is also for our resource partners, for them to really hear uh, how their generosity impacts the lives of people. Mm -hmm. And it's for them to be connected to the everyday ebbs and flows of our work. So for me, man, that deep purpose is something so valuable. So I'm really excited that we're doing this. Yeah, I mean, I just can't wait for you guys to hear these stories of some of these youth. I mean, even our stories that we have to deal with on a daily basis as a youth worker, yeah. just like, I'm just, my mind's blown every time I hear a story or just like we come back and like share a story of like, man, this is what happened to me today. I'm like, oh, like, dude, this is on a daily basis. So I just really want to get this out there and share with you guys. So as we get started, we just I want to pour into our story, especially your story, Eric. Um, and so just sit back, relax, and just enjoy and hearing the story of what brought Eric Vasquez to do youth work in the first place. And so I hope that encourages you guys to start becoming youth workers or continue the, the drive of being a youth worker out there. Um, and because, I mean, your story has definitely impacted me to keep me going and pushing forward in the work that we do with Justice for Youth. And I want to say to the youth that are listening, uh, you guys are our next-gen leaders. Mm -hmm. And I was once you. And there are dreams and passions that are alive in you that you can sit back and listen and say, hey, I can do something you know, similar. I could do something greater. Uh, we believe in you guys, and we're glad that you're tuning in. Let's get started, but before we do, let's talk about partnerships. As you mentioned right. earlier about our partners, uh, we were blessed to be here today because one of our partners has sponsored us to start this podcast, um, right. Artie Delgado from Brink Films. Um, he's allowed us to use his equipment, his facility to record and, and share about the stories that happen with Justice for Youth. Um, and so, like, Artie's a local film director, um, film producer. He's based in Pomona. He's done a lot of great projects throughout the years. And you've been connected with him for about, what, 16 years in that realm, right? Yeah, he he's been doing great work for a long time. And uh, these partnerships are only the beginning, you know. Yeah. And if you guys want to get connected... You can visit the website at brinkbaby.com. He's a great partner to have and produces quality, excellent work. Yeah. And then if you guys ever have any questions for us as well that you want us to hit as youth workers or even our students to, to answer as what it's like to grow up in the urban city, you could just email us at info at ju4y.org and we'll be more than willing to answer any questions you guys have for us on this program. So yeah, we're looking forward to partnerships. And as we begin, like I just want to pour into and hear your story, Eric. And so would you be willing to share with us a little bit about yourself, how you got started with youth work? Wow. Yeah, it goes way back for me. 
Um, you know, I grew up one of six. My parents were amazing people, but kind of healing mm -hmm. at the same time. So they had this dichotomy alive in them. They would have like really rough seasons, particularly my father, but then they'd have like really amazing seasons where I'd see them make big sacrifices for people that they cared about and loved. I even have memories of being with my pops, like scooping up addicts, bro, like in the alleys of East LA where he grew up mm -hmm. and helping them out, like giving them that, that talk, you know, in the car and they respected him. So it was kind of a mixture of good and bad. Um, when I came to be a preteen, I was in a rough season of my life. Both of my brother's lives had been taken. And at that point, um, I was really struggling with their deaths. Mm -hmm. And um, my life began to kind of spiral out of control. I had a transformation happen at like 16. And when that happened, everything changed. And I've literally been doing youth work since then. And I've been going hard since 16 years old, living the same life. Um, you know, everything, some things have changed, but um, that's kind of where it began. So it began when you're 16 and it was because of the death of your brothers, would you say? And, or it was like, again, cause like that's when you started doing youth work, but like, what was like, I mean, I could work with youth. I could work mm. with drug addicts. I could work with the homeless, but like, why just youth as a whole? What, what was that? I think I was attracted to and felt uniquely gifted to touch and impact the adolescent and preteen teen stage because I suffered so significantly mm -hmm. that I felt I knew this, the struggle so well that I could help somebody work through it as I had worked through it. And um, because of that intimate knowledge of that lifestyle, uh, it really helped me. And immediately when I had that life transformation happen, um, I felt drawn and called and connected to youngsters. Like everywhere I'd go, they just were attracted to me for some reason. And that's where I knew it was definitely like a calling. It was something that I was cut from a specific cloth to do. And then, um, yeah, I also without boasting in all humility, I've been often looked to as like a leader amongst my peers. So people were always kind of coming up to me and were asking me for guidance and questions, you know, and um, I guess at that time I finally had an answer for them. Okay. So, wow. So you start at 16, you start pouring to the kids. Now, so let's transition. So where are you at now? So you're no longer 16. You're not working with the same urban kids that you've been working with no. then. So wh where are we at now? Man, so it's been now 16 years since then. Um, and now, fast forward to today, I am so humbled and happy to lead a nonprofit, uh, Justice for Youth. We um, currently do a lot of amazing things with urban at-risk teens in our community and other surrounding communities. And we have a staff of about, I think, 22 right now, but within a couple of weeks, we'll be up to about 32 staff. We're on about 15 campuses in our city and have major plans to expand into other urban communities. And then within a five-year plan, we see ourselves branching out of Cali uh, to do some cool work in urban spaces all around the U.S. and possibly other countries. So that's where we're at now, but I mean, there's so much more to the journey. So hit me up, ask me yeah. anything you want. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I know so much about you. It's kind of crazy asking you all these questions, but so you started off, you know, working with the kids and then now you're running a nonprofit. What, so what made you branch out into the nonprofit world mm -hmm. versus the church world? Cause I know you were also a youth pastor for a while and yeah, pastor. Yeah. Um, so those were great seasons of my life. Um, what was the transition to it? Yeah, I think being 
uh, so associated to the faith world. It's definitely a huge part of who I am and my identity, but um, I saw that it limited me in my reach. Uh, for example, I'd be on a campus chopping it up with some youth, and then all of a sudden, you know, a kid would be like, what's going on here? And I'd say, oh, a faith club. And he'd be like, ah, oh, Charlie, I'm out of here, you know, like, forget that. And I was like, dude, like, what if I just said it was a, a group of youngsters gathering to kick it? You know, what if I said it was a... a uh, on point group, you know, mm -hmm. instead of a faith group. And then I started to see that was the ticket. That was the route to go. I was not limited because even when I was representing a faith element, I was not fully like, I mean, it's a big word, but proselytize. Like I wasn't out there trying to be like, you need to know God. Blah, blah. It like, was more like, I just wanted to be a part of their lives. Yeah. You, you weren't know? throwing God in their face. You were just there being a positive role model in their life. Right. And just yeah. pouring into them like, Hey man, this is what you're doing, you know, you need, should be working at this, this, and this, yeah. right? And as that started to happen, dude, I started to see, I grew favor with like the, the school districts, my long-term presence in the city helped me to make the right connections. One school turned to three, three schools turned to eight. I went from doing free work to landing significant contracts that we were able to be paid for services provided to provide quality mentorship to suffering teens. It, it was a cool, expansion and transformation that was happening in the midst of my life then i realized wow as i got some counsel for some from some wise mentors of mine the nonprofit route is the best way to go mm -hmm. um, because i could still partner with all these other folks um and it still gave me a platform in the educational system i mean you name it right it opens yeah. up doors when you don't have an allegiance of sorts or to a certain religion or a certain background yeah. you're just here to to love on the students, right? And yeah. just to help them have the best life possible, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for those who do not know, Justice for Youth is located in Pomona, right? So what made you decide Pomona versus, you know, Boyle Heights or downtown LA? Yeah. There, there's a lot of cities around that struggle and have a lot of at-risk youth. You know, you, you've purposely picked Pomona to, you know, start your church and then to continue to your work there with the urban youth work, the, the urban youth out there so why pomona why why is this the I city just, i fell in love with the city it was kind of coincidence that we landed a space and then as i i'm a big believer at in like living where i serve right yeah so once i started getting in community and meeting all these beautiful people i realized like dude these kids need a lot of love and support and no one's giving it to them like once I got in touch with them and heard their stories and saw how amazing they were, I was like, man, I need to be here for life. And mm -hmm. that I, I don't see myself leaving the peak, you know? I see myself being there until I die. And oh. that's something that I would haven't seen in, in youth work a, a lot. You know, people come and go and there's a lack of consistency. But uh, I plan to mentor generations of youth and I'm excited about the possibilities there. Yeah, yeah. Youth workers have probably one of the highest turnover rates um, out of any position out there in the world. For those who don't know, it takes about 18 months or so for one youth worker before they crash and burn. And so you've been doing it for 16 years to, sh to show that you know you can do it for the long run. So what would you say is a big key to doing it for 16 years and not crashing and burning after 18 months? Man, I would say there's so many. Yeah. So let me kind of rattle some off, dude, because there are a lot to be able to stay in the game. I would say one of the first ones is probably making sure your support system is legit. Mm -hmm. 
like I got dudes like Artie, you know, from Brink Films. Shout out to Brink Films, who's one of our sponsors uh, for this podcast. Like, you know, gentlemen like him who just been ride or dies, you know, older mentors like Larry Acosta, Tommy Nixon, all these dudes from some some uh, partnerships from other organizations like UIWI. Shout out to them. Um, you know, having those key people around you, finding local um, partners, colleagues, friends who are in the game with you that can encourage you when you're in a low season because it's a very thankless work mm -hmm. and it's challenging and at many times it's one-sided and you're giving, giving, giving and it's going unnoticed often. So that would be one key, your your community and re uh, being strong, your support system. i say another thing is being resourceful. Yeah. You know, like you don't, this isn't a, I'm not balling, you know. Um, driving my Honda Accord out there, my 1999. Uh, but being resourceful, like being able to tap into people who have resources, who can partner with you in creative ways so that you can stay giving youngsters opportunity and stay feeling revived and alive. Um, another one I would say is making sure you have high levels of self-care. I sucked at that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I was always on the verge of like totally burning out. But what is self-care? like? You know, yeah, so it's just like, you know, making sure that you don't care for everybody else and their mother mm -hmm. and then forget to care for yourself, your your emotional, psychological, you know, physical health. I go on and on. But for me, it's like learning to take rhythms of rest. Mm -hmm. That was something I had to learn because I'm a very um, go, 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 do, 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 very driven person. Mm -hmm. But that's something that has been key. Um, so, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, because of you, I've never been to a day spa before in my life. Um, but now since working at Justice for Youth, I've been to three times in like six, seven months. So, I mean, for me, yeah, I, I was I was learning from you to go, 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 go. And then you're like, bro, relax, take a, take a self-care day. We're going to go to the day spa. I'm like, what's a day spa? Um, yeah. And so, but from my experience, those things are amazing. You just sit back, relax. And yeah, as you say, you pour into your own soul to give back because so much of our work is giving and you never receive. Um, and so, okay, so you, you've done soul, soul care, making sure you have a strong community to you know, hold you accountable for what you're working. Any other kind of, um, would you say, maybe two or three more keys to have a solid consistency within youth work? Or would you say those are two of the most important things to have? I think uh, being, having a vision and a plan mm -hmm. and then like executing it. Okay. You know, like not deviating from it, not being distracted, being very intentional about what it is you're trying to create and who you're trying to create that with, and then being committed and faithful to that plan, right? So I think I've been able to outlast most people mm -hmm. in this work because I know that sometimes results don't come for a long time. Being in youth work, you're either planting or watering, you know, yeah. so, you know, planting a seed, watering it. Um, you know, you don't always get to see the results right away yeah. and it takes a long time and a lot of people aren't patient. So, um, uh, for me, like being able to see that plan all the way through has been key okay. being committed, faithful, consistent. That's another key. Like, I think a lot of people get real attracted and excited about the work, but then once the realities of the work hit, mm -hmm. they become disillusioned and then they just tank, yeah. tap out. Yeah, because, I mean, if you don't know kids, they like to push your buttons and draw you out uh, to to get you 
frustrated, I would say. Because, I mean, so what? So that's what happens. But what are some of your joys with working with youth? Because I, oh, I know man. for, like, me, like, I just love kids. And just seeing that one kid just, like, light up, like, it makes the 50 that piss me off, like, so much better. Yeah, man, some of the joys have seen, like, real transformation. Mm-hmm. Give you a basic example. You know, we got a cat like Anthony who was gang-affiliated, hopeless, you know, on the track to drop out and, you know, be a lifelong criminal prisoner. No disrespect to my boy out there. But uh, then you see him turn his life around, mm-hmm. get awarded for most improved student, you know, stand out out of the entire district, totally get reinvigorated to do something with this life, starting to search and find in this life and light comes back into them. And you just like, wow, I want to be a part of that more often. Now he's a, you know, he's a good dad. He's working. He's figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I don't know if that would have been the case. He might have bounced on his baby. You know, he might have been stuck in the game. Um, and the streets might have eaten him up, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody like uh, some of the other joys for me is like down the line hearing students come back where you thought you made zero impact Mm -hmm. and then you get a text message saying i don't know if you remember me but 10 years ago i was in your and i've kept what you said for the last 10 years and has carried me through the most difficult seasons of my life and you're like whoa like if i would have never been there in that moment this kid might not have made it yeah you know okay so that's a very important thing for i think new youth workers to come out just like as you're pouring into some kids like you might not see them hearing it coming through but to know long term down the road like this actually is worth it right oh, what yeah. i'm doing at this moment is worth it because who knows what the impact will have 10 15 20 years down the road definitely so, man to so, youth workers man what yeah. you do matters stay in the game you know get your support around you make sure you're connecting to as many people as you can because you will often be the only voice that is steadily speaking hope into the life of a hopeless generation. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I really, those are the joys that will come back years later. Okay. So we, we talk about the joys, the highlights. We know there's always some struggle. Um, you are a dad with, you know, three kids and a wife. Mm-hmm. H- how is that transitioning? Because you want to pour in and give all you can to the kids. But how do you separate that line of giving all to the kids in the city versus your own kids? Because, you, I mean, obviously you don't want your own kids to go through the same stuff. Your, the kids you're working with to go through. So how do you set that line and that boundary to, you know, love your kids so that they see that dad does care about me and wants the best for me, but also I see dad's working and, you know, has a big heart and wants to care for these kids as well. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, at times I haven't always been the greatest. I'm definitely on my A game now. I'm a great dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think boundaries, establishing, maintaining boundaries is key. Building you know, your family separate with those visions and goals and plans that you have, right? For your work, be separate for your family. Mm-hmm. And um, also just carving into your active schedule time, intentional time with your kids. And then making sure that what you do with your kids, you're doing in your youth work, what you're doing in youth work, you make sure you do with your kids. So there's an equality and a fairness and, you know, they can't ever say, pops, you were over there with them. Mm-hmm. Like, why weren't you at my game? You were at Johnny's game or, you know, my kids come first and I do plug them into my schedule. We have daddy daughter dates, you know, dad son dates and 
I make sure I'm there for dinner and I make sure that the weekend is carved out so that we could spend time together. And, you know, I go on and on with things that I intentionally do, like a Monday night concert in the parks mm -hmm. as a family. We just eat together. Like these are things that are so important to spend quality time with them and make sure that those times are protected and not being robbed by your time with other students, which is hard, especially if you don't get paid to mentor, right? Or mm -hmm. to work with students. It's really hard to balance, but I guess another thing I see kind of uh, uproot the youth worker is lack of planning. Okay. So they just kind of wing it and they want to go and be and do. And then because of that, they lose structure and intentionality and then their life and balance suffers. Okay. So what would you say? Like, cause I know there's some youth workers like Paul, Eric, you don't know what's happening. Like I'm hanging out with my kids, but my phone blows up and this, you know, one of my kids is, you know, struggling, you know, they, they're being pulled up by the cops, you know, they're in a sticky situation with the gangs, you know, they're on the streets again, slinging dope. And then they, they want to be out. What do you do? Like, how do you set that boundary? You just like, you know, cause you, you know, it's important to be there present for your kids in their life, but also within the youth, how do you set that boundary? Because I know there's people out there will be yelling, like, come on, like, what do you, what about this? Like, there's always a situation you got to break it. Yeah, know? bro. There's a crisis. I'm not lying mm -hmm. every day Yeah, in my phone, <laughs> in my text messages, in my phone, like, and most often more than one. So you have to communicate to the teens who you serve that their crisis is not always going to be yours. Okay. And they have to understand that you're going to be available sometimes, mm -hmm. not all the time. And that there is a proper time and place to reach out although you know this requires an element of training for most youth workers but there are times when in crisis you respond you know yeah. um and you have to determine the you know how the severity of those things and it, there's a process that goes into that but it, it definitely is a lot of communicate communicative you know issues mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you are communicating to the teen and that you're communicating to your family and um everybody kind of knows what's up Okay. Like this is a part of who I am, right? But it's not all that I am, right? My primary responsibility is to my household. Mm -hmm. And students know they're still important to you. They're still valued. You still go out the way for them, but they don't usurp everything else, right? Yeah. Do you think having those healthy boundaries and showing this is what's important to me, this is like my number one as my family, does that have, do you think that gives a better representation to the use? Like, heck yeah. You know, now I need to do this for my family as well. When this comes down the road, like I need to set priorities and you know, yes. I can't be all over the place. Right. Absolutely, man. And I've had kids come back and say, Hey, E, you don't realize, but because you said no and you did this for your, ch you know, kid, your child, I have learned to do the same for mine, you know? Yeah. So I've been blessed to see that cycle, that turn. Okay. Well, I would just want to thank you, Eric Vasquez, for coming out to our very first episode of a Life in the City podcast. Um, it was amazing to have you here. And I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Artie Delgado and Brink Films. They're an independent film company that has allowed us to come in, use their equipment to start our podcast. They've been part of our work for a few years now. Shout out to my boy. Yeah, he's been filming, doing most of our film work for us for free or the cheap because he knows the impact we're having for the kids so if you're out there and you're looking for some independent film contracts or anything like that 
you could reach him at Brink, uh, Artie at BrinkBaby.com. And also, if you have any questions for Eric or myself as urban youth workers in the city, please shoot them at info at ju4y.org. And we'll love to help you out and help you pursue your passion of youth work. Thank you.